We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Light Years. Andy, we got a special guest this week, being as uh, all anyone wants to talk about is Ben Simmons. Uh, did not know. It got, is there a more polarizing player in the NBA right now, Andy? Uh, no. No, I also <laughs> want to say, especially to Warriors fans, because apparently Andrew Wiggins is the greatest thing since forever. <laughs> um, I want to say people can't see him, uh, but he makes us look bad because he's got a great haircut and then a suit on. And, yeah. and me and Sam are just look like just bums. So it's uh, this is going to be a great podcast. Sam. So we got we got a special guest this week, sports director from Cron 4, Jason Dumas. Jason, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, fellas. Thank you so much for having me. Huge fan of your guys' uh, content. You know, I, I listen to it often and and uh, I'm happy to be here and chat hoops. And you're right. Ben Simmons is super polarizing. Like it's like fatiguing, like going through to Ben Simmons blender on Twitter and Philly Twitter. And that's coming off of like Markel Fultz and Carson Wentz. It's like, we just get the most polarizing athletes ever and, and just watch people take sides and fight with each other. That's the Philly experience. I was I like, I was going to say we've Andy and I have been doing this for like two weeks and I'm already, yep. I'm already exhausted. What was this? Five, six straight years in Philly. Like, cause yeah. Every year it's the same, you know, oh, he's, you know, he can't shoot. He can't do this. Can't do that. And then it's, oh, well, but he does, he can't defend. He, he's a good passer. And it's just mm -hmm. around we go circle, circle, circle. Right. Right. It, it's crazy. You know, yeah. Two years of Embiid not playing either. That had people up in arms and picking sides. And then Markel Falk seemingly just forgets how to play basketball. And then you Carson Wentz in the football arena is like, you got one side loves the guy, one side hates the guy. And it's like, one of these days, Philly will just draft a normal player who's like pretty consistent and, and not polarizing and people can all like him. <laughs> yeah, what, you guys what, haven't had that since Iverson, huh? <laughs> no, exactly. What what has been the most frustrating? I mean, before we get to the Warriors stuff, frustrating stuff that you'll hear about Ben Simmons back in the uh, I want, I'm almost said back in the Philly days. Technically, he's still on the damn team. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess. So I guess frustrating if, if if I put myself like as a fan, like as just like a basketball fan, um, just so many built-in excuses. Like 
it's almost it's everyone else's fault why he hasn't been successful. So uh, there's a lack of ownership and accountability when it comes to people who really, really root for him. Um, and like, you know, we have all these advanced stats in basketball and, and we overthink sometimes, but like at the end of the day, like name of the game is just getting buckets. Like when you, when, when you just narrow it down to the teams that win championships, they got two guys who can get buckets pretty much at ease whenever they want. And they're surrounded by complimentary role players. And usually the team with the two best guys who can like really get buckets win that game. Of course, there are outliers and stuff, but that's just the name of the game. So when you have like your two highest paid players on your payroll, um, I mean, not technically, I guess it's not yeah, Tobias, Harris. Tobias Harris. He's the highest. But I think you guys know what I mean. Like the conceivably two players who are supposed to be your highest usage players. And one of them is just extremely flawed on offense and can't score in the half court. And he takes up that big of a chunk of your salary cap. Is going to create issues. It's just going to. And that's really the root of the issue. He can't score uh, consistently in the half court. And this year it kind of peaked because he was so worried about not getting fouled because he was shooting 32% from the line. Jeez. I think that's where the hesitancy came. I don't think he was literally like afraid to shoot or right. literally afraid to be aggressive. I think he knew in the back of his head, like, it's going to foul me. And then I'm going to go. And I'm making like I'm making it at a 30 percent clip right now. So he didn't want to be put in that situation. And, and it was obvious and it was in the public eye. The funny thing is he had been doing that the previous the previous year. He didn't play in the playoffs because uh, he hurt his foot, I believe. So he didn't play in that series where the Sixers got swept by the Celtics. But the two series before that might not have been as bad, but it was really similar, but it just wasn't as much as a national spot. Like Sixers weren't the one seed. And like the year they lost to the Bucks, it was hidden a little because they had Jimmy Butler. So right. Ben wasn't needed as or you much. Mean, you mean to Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. When they lost to Toronto, I'm sorry. Um, it wasn't needed as much because they had Jimmy Butler and, you know, that was such an even series. So it wasn't like they got upset. So like, when they lost, it wasn't like, oh, man, the Sixers blew it. It was more just like, oh, they lost to a better team. So nobody was really focusing on Ben's flaws. And, you know, when they lost to the Celtics the year before that, it was kind of the same. But this year was the perfect storm where, like, the national eye was on it. Like, I tell people all the time, that wasn't that new. We've seen – that was just really the same thing that had been going on. So so you were kind of the – you are the first person to report on – how he's not talking to Philadelphia, how he's not mm -hmm. talking to the Sixers organization. Right. And um, so I, I wanted to ask you kind of, how did they get to this point? Cause I feel like for, for those of us who don't follow the 76ers, um, you know, like local fans in Philly or something, you're always hearing about how it's kind of an uneasy situation with him and Embiid uh, over the past few years. And right. now it just feels like it's toxic. Like it's, it seems like there's no way he can go back. How did it even get there? Yeah, well, it's been brewing for like three years now. If anyone who thinks this is a new phenomenon is wrong, it's been brewing for a couple years now, dating back to Brett Brown when it comes to his role in the offense and how certain people in the building see him in one role and how him and his representation see him in another role. And there's kind of butting heads and people were being choose to pick sides. A lot of people thought Brent. 
Brett Brown was too easy on him. You know, Brett Brown has a long lasting relationship with Ben's father and a lot of people. It goes back to Australia, right? Yeah. A lot of people didn't like that because it's like, okay, you're being easy on this kid. Is it because of your relationship that you have? So, you know, you always had that dynamic and yet kind of had a split within the organization as to how he should be used. People always kind of questioned his work ethic um, and his willingness to work on things that he wasn't good on, not necessarily calling him lazy or anything. I don't think anyone has viewed him as a lazy player because he's in the gym and everything, but it's, are you working on your deficiencies? Because we're seeing these guys in your draft class get better every year. Whereas you're kind of just stayed the same. Like, you know, you've had your best defensive, like things that he's naturally good at. He's gotten better at, like he's gotten better, better at defense every year and rebounding and, you know, but like the things that he's not good at, he hasn't gotten any better. Um, And then, you know, Jimmy Butler comes and Jimmy is an alpha and, you know, Jimmy didn't, yeah. Jimmy didn't really love the way oh, yeah. Ben was coddled. Jimmy had a reputation though. So he, he chose not to like make huge funk of it, but it definitely, it definitely I, irked him. I was curious because when you first said Jimmy, Jimmy kind of did the same thing in Minnesota. Yeah. He just looked at Wiggins and Cat and said, oh, I don't know about this guys. So what that you're, you're saying that was similar yeah, in Philly with, with Ben. It was similar. And, um, you know, given the context, like you just said, he had, Jimmy had kind of the last couple of stops he was at, it was kind of rocky, rocky exits. So Jimmy's, I want, don't want to say he's on his best behavior because <laughs> it wasn't like, but he didn't want to be that guy like ever. Right. So, you know, and um, he runs hot. Yeah. They, they, yeah, he runs hot. And, you know, they weren't all the best. They weren't the best. Friends, you know, Jim, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy saw it for what it was. And he was open to coming back to Philly, but as soon as he got the sense, just even the inkling that the Sixers were kind of weighing their options and deciding like, well, can he coexist with Ben? And, you know, Do we want can, can we make him? it all work? Yeah. He said, listen, I'll make the decision for you. Like, I'm not <laughs> going to sit here in limbo. And he, he left. That's, so that's how he left. They kind of fumbled that because of they were kind of coddling Ben. Um, and then, you know, it just all came to heed, uh, really, during the trade negotiations with Houston. And the Sixers were trying to trade Ben for James Harden. They wanted to. And Ben was well aware. Of that. So uh, Ben came in, and I'll give him credit. He was super professional about it. Everyone in the NBA has an ego. So, you know, he won't, he'll act like it didn't hurt him, but it hurt him. It did. Yeah. Uh, and um, so I think that kind of set it in motion. And then we all saw the public display. And I'll be the first one to say, it's not what Joel Embiid or Doc Rivers said. Me agreeing with them is kind of irrelevant. But kind of the way they said it, they did kind of throw Ben under the bus. Whether it's fair or not is irrelevant. But they they kind of threw him under the bus. Anybody with an ego, a sense of pride, would react kind of how Ben is reacting. So I don't even blame him for wanting to leave. I actually probably like, I'd be like, all right, well, like damage is done. So that's kind of how we got to that. My long-winded answer is that's yeah. kind of how we got to this place. So my, I, oh, go ahead, Andy, sir. No, I, I guess what happens now then? I mean, now, now it's like the leverage play. Daryl Moore is yeah. a GM. They just probably, like, what, what happens? Sixers Darryl. are in a bad spot, the organization, <laughs> like, because, I mean, uh, you know, they have this guy who has all the talent in the world and, but they don't have much 
much power in terms of the trade market. First of all, everybody was watching the playoffs and, and saw his flaws on the national stage. And then the Sixers really have this timeline now, this built-in timeline that they didn't really – they kind of set in motion themselves when Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid, like, immediately after the game seven, like, with those comments. And then now, you know, Ben saying he's not going to report the training camp. Now, I can't confirm that, but it's been reported by, you know, somebody in Philly who I respect. And – uh just hearing everything I've heard and talking to people I've talked to, it's believable. So now that he won't show up to training camp, they're at a rock and a hard place. They have to hope they can get the deal they want before you get to this awkward spot where training camp is here and he's just like, I'm not coming. Maybe they call his bluff and he comes, but even so, it'll still be awkward. We are recording this Wednesday night, September 1st. Um, we'll release it over the holiday weekend. But so, Joel Embiid today went on a little tweet storm. Naturally, he called everything the media reported fake, which at this point, I just laugh when athletes do that. Like, it's just such a go-to move. Uh, But he ended it. I almost feel like he took a shot at Ben Simmons with this last tweet. he's, He's talking, he goes, for clarity, I love the criticism. I love when I'm told I can't do something. It makes me work harder to prove everyone wrong. But not everyone is built like that. Am I wrong in reading that is just like, I don't even know what he was doing. Cause like he he started this Twitter thread defending Ben Simmons and then he ends it with kind of a passive aggressive shot at Ben. Right? No, absolutely. Uh, I was kind of confused at it too. Like I thought it was going into the direction of him kind of media lying, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah, Media lying. And then him kind of, you know, building up his relationship with Ben, like, which kind of like, I thought he was maybe just trying to build up Ben's trade value or something when he was like, I love playing with Ben. Like, so Sixers could have not be in this position where it seems like they can't coexist and he can't play. And, and you know, to be fair, I've never heard anything about a rift between Ben and Joel. Hmm. So, so is that, you're saying that's kind of, cause that's always been something that it, it's not like it's reported, like, you know, like Woj says they can't yeah. stand each other. It's just like, you constantly hear people saying like, they are not, you know, the relationship's not in a great spot. Even J.J. Reddick said it a couple of years ago. Yeah. They, well, they're not, and we all have this, you know, in our day sure. jobs. You have your friends and you have your coworkers. Right. Yeah. They're, they're, they're definitely coworkers. They're not, they're not rushing to hang out with each other when they're not on the court. That is 100% true, but I've never... They're, they're talking on Slack, but they're not texting each other. That's for sure. Exactly. <laughs> that's for sure. Exactly. Yeah. I've never really gotten the impression that they dislike each other. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's things that Ben do that does that annoys Joel, and I'm sure vice versa. Um, but yeah, it's just, I, I didn't really get the whole brand. You know, everybody wants to say it's the media. I think, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I think most of the media reporting has been pretty accurate when it comes to Ben... Ben's kind of fallout with the Sixers. And I mean, you know, I, I was called fake news when I reported that Ben, well, by certain people, you know, because you have the people who just are going to staunchly defend Ben no matter what. Uh, right. But 
you know, I was fake news when I said Ben cut off contact with most of the organization. I mean, that was true. Still is true. He's not talking to it. He, yeah, we've had, we he have like three reports that have said the same thing since you reported it. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> he, he, he talks to, you know, he talked to some of them. I didn't say he cut off everybody in the organization. He has some guys on the team who he has a genuine friendship with. He works out with uh, Chris Johnson, uh, who is the clutch uh, performance trainer. And so he'll be with Tyrese Maxey naturally uh, because they, they're both with clutch. So he'll talk to them. But in terms of like ownership and just like a group chat with the team, that that was over. It was. And um, if they have to get to a spot where they want him to report the training camp, it's just going to be extremely awkward. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I want to take this backwards because um, in the beginning you were kind of saying, and they're all fair critiques and like for all the warrior fans who were like, I don't want Ben Simmons on the warriors because, you know, he's never improved his jump shot he seems entitled and he doesn't want to do, he doesn't want to work on his weaknesses and, and all that stuff. And, and it's fair. Uh, those are questions, but there, there's the other side of it. And I've never been able to figure out, how much of the blame I put on the 76ers because he was drafted by Colangelo. Obviously we all know uh, his crash and burn. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Elton brand took over and now Daryl Morey, he's been in the NBA, what, five years, maybe six years now. He's had three Mm -hmm. separate president of basketball ops, a couple different coaches, hasn't been the most stable environment. So I'm, I'm kind of, wondering where you land with 
how much of this falls on the 76ers? Oh, I, I think the Sixers have to take some accountability. It's not all on Ben Simmons, you know. Sure. The root of the problem is probably some of Ben's deficiencies. So naturally you're going to ask him, you know, why haven't you improved on some of just the basic parts of basketball that would just tremendously help your team win yeah. basketball games in the postseason? Uh, so there's that accountability. But, like, I believe the Sixers coddled him for, for several years, you know, and – there wasn't much, and I thought a lot would change with Doc because Doc doesn't seem like the coddling type. And, I mean, Ben had a great year on the defensive end. I mean, his his offensive numbers were down a bit, but uh, – More or less the same, too. Yeah, more <laughs> or less the same. But, like, you, you know, I just uh, – I think the biggest issue with the Sixers was just kind of uh, they didn't really hold him accountable. But that's also not easy nowadays with, like, superstar right. athletes. Athletes are going to have most of the power – uh, their pay like it's hard to like ball someone around who's paid like four times what you're paid. You, you know what <laughs> I mean? I think you know. I think there's blame to go all around with with everyone, but the Sixers definitely aren't without blame. You know, they should have they they shouldn't have let Jimmy Butler walk out of that building. There's no there's no way they should have offered him the the max contract like soon as he soon as he signed, and, as soon as they traded for him. Uh. They let Jimmy like because the Sixers could have won even with Ben as he is presently right now. The Sixers could have won an NBA championship if they had Jimmy Butler. No, Toronto won the Toronto won that title, and obviously Warrior fans know what happened in the finals with the injuries. But literally, it was a Kawhi Leonard shot at the end of Game Seven that like rattled. Like that's how close Philly was to beating them. Yeah, and I I genuinely believe yeah. Philly goes on to beat Milwaukee. Um, and then they go and play the Warriors, and you know if history repeats itself, and Clay and Kevin Durant don't play, the Sixers <laughs> probably the Sixers probably. I mean, win they the better win. Yeah, yeah. 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 you know win. what I mean. Like, so you know, like that's the thing, and that's why I think Warriors fans should be receptive of a possibility of Ben Simmons coming here because he's a good player, and like he can fit in certain situations. Like he wouldn't. The Sixers, as they were constructed this year needed more offensive output and production from Ben in a half court. The Warriors don't drastically need that if you can conceive uh, Steph and Clay hopefully right. coming back and being himself. If you just let Ben kind of do him, float around, not have as much pressure, probably a different environment will bring him out of his shell a little yep. more. Different pace, yep. Yeah, he, he, he can be a very good player. Ben Simmons is going to win you a lot of regular season basketball games. He's which they to, need. Which they <laughs> which need. They need. That's, yeah. that's half the battle. That's half the battle. Yeah. You want to you go into the postseason as like the two or three seed as opposed to the six or seven. It's just yeah. an easier route. And uh, you got to assume, if just if you're smart, that Clay is not going to be Clay yeah. in the early parts of the season. Particularly defensively. Like, the, he, yeah. He's, he's going to be able to shoot the ball, but like – I, he, you're not going to want him chasing around Russell Westbrook or like mm -hmm. guards like that off that type of injuries. And that's exactly. something Ben Simmons can help with. Yeah. Like Ben Simmons, like if Ben Simmons got traded to the Warriors, I would almost put it down as a lock that they would have a fantastic regular season. Yeah. And yeah. then just get them to the playoffs. And if, and you know, there's exception to every rule, but the rule of thumb, if you have two all-star level players, you have a fighter's chance. And you you would hope those two all-star level players are Steph, obviously, and then hopefully by April, May, 
it'll be yeah, Clay as well. Yeah. So if you have those two all stars and a guy like Ben Simmons, and, two elite defenders, yeah, him. and Draymond, like the sky's the limit for now, potential in the playoffs. Do now, you think? Talk- Sorry, go ahead, Andy. Uh, <laughs> no, I was gonna say, how realistic? I mean, the the question is, how realistic is this thing? It is. It's very realistic now. Been to the Warriors is, I guess, it, what I'm. Is, right. is extremely realistic because I know for a fact that the Warriors are interested, and that they they like Ben Simmons. I think the issue with with uh, Ben to the Warriors trade, I don't think it's unanimous in the Warriors front office. But I've talked right. to enough people to know that. Yeah, we like him. Yeah, we're monitoring it. So. You know, that's what so you hear they're monitoring it. That that means that it just perked their interest. And you know, I'm not sure how deep talks have gotten. You know, there was the there was the report that uh Maury uh asked for a certain thing and they said no. I don't know how deep it's gotten, but right. I know they're interested and but there's gonna have to be a third team because I just don't believe the Sixers are truly interested in what the Warriors could offer. Them. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. James, what, do they, what do they need James Wiseman? They, need Wiseman? Literally the old, they have the Andre old... Drummond and Joel Embiid. So yeah, exactly. James, Wiseman, James Wiseman is meaningless to them. Right. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, like, I mean, they have a uh, – like, they have Tobias Harris. Yeah, they don't... I was – yeah. They have Matisse Seibel, who's just as good a defender, if not better. Way better. Yeah. Way better. So – I'm so, being nice to Wiggins. <laughs> the Warriors, you know, if, if the Warriors were to acquire Ben Simmons, I would almost guarantee there'd be a third team involved. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense because Philly also wants, like, win-now players. Like, they yeah. they have no use for 18-year-old, 19-year-olds any more than the Warriors do, right? Or right. at least, like, Steph and those guys do. Yeah, like, Kaminga's a, a tremendous chip, and, like, I feel like most teams would covet Kaminga, and even the Sixers probably wouldn't turn their nose up at him. But right. it's not exactly what they need. Like, they, nah, they want to win championships. Like Kaminga's nineteen. Yeah, Kaminga's a player you're you're all in on if you're rebuilding for three to four years from now. You're like, that's our guy. We know we're going to lose this year, but in the long run, it's going to pay off. Portland might like him. Rebuilding Portland <laughs> might like him. Tell you what, tell you that's a team. I agree. <laughs> I want to I want to get back on the ca- accountability thing. How do you think everyone focuses on the uh, oh how do Draymond and Ben Simmons fit basketball wise? And I get it because they kind of both play the same role, but they're both too smart that it would they can figure it out if you have enough shooting around them. For me, what I'm curious about is Draymond runs easily just as hot as Jimmy Butler, if not more, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Does that level of accountability, is that what Ben Simmons need? Or is that going to just lead to the same thing we saw in Philly where Doc Rivers kind of throws him under the bus, does some of that stuff, and Ben wants out of town? Like, is Draymond what he needs, or is Draymond just going to end up pissing him off and him demanding out again? No, well, I, I think that would be different because, one, I mean, Draymond is a lot when it comes when we're talking about that. And I think initially maybe it would be a little uncomfortable for Ben, but uh, I think because of the how I know clutch sports operates, they are like truly like family. Like they look out for each other, they take care of each other. Rich Paul would never allow it to run that hot where it's like friction. Uh, they they We're not fancy, getting a repeat of the KD Draymond situation. No, no, they fancy themselves as a family atmosphere over there at clutch sports. They all are fiercely loyal to one another. Um, so I actually think conceivably if it was like Draymond 
Draymond, Ben Simmons, and Moses Moody. I think I think Rich Paul would be enamored. I think he would be ecstatic. And I think I would be too. Yeah, and they would <laughs> they would make it work. Um, like you said, Sam, like they're too smart. Ben Simmons is a smart basketball player. Draymond yeah. Green is, is a smart yeah. basketball player. It yeah. would make it work. It would. Yeah, everyone else on the floor just needs to be a shooter. That's basically it. I it's, mean, like yeah. the the thing also is you it, IQ is what how the Warriors won a lot of those titles. Like you can't just Warriors great shooters, great defensive team, but man, they had some incredible IQ. That's how it's they how also going to work. They also didn't have that much shooting. They had like the two best shooters. They had two. But, that's it. Yeah. But at, like Iguodala, Livingston. Yeah, they're, they're not like outside. I mean, outside Harrison shooters. Barnes. They had him the first year, yeah. but it's like. They like know, they had historically like guys who like just have gravity, you know, yeah. like Steph and Clay and guys like that who also just move so well off the ball and right. it's like beautiful chaos. So yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I think it would work. I am pro Ben Simmons getting traded to the Warriors because I one think it would be beautiful basketball to watch. I think it would be interesting. Like I would love just to see how it plays out, but I think they would be successful. And when the Warriors are successful, my job. <laughs> no, now I'm also I saw a report come out and, and I don't I, this one. I don't think it was you. I think it was someone else. But they said that he was interested in the three California teams. Hilariously enough, SAC not included. Uh, yeah, poor, but the three Sacramento. <laughs> um, but I'm just thinking about it. The Lakers and the Clippers, they, it doesn't seem that likely that they can put together something for, for Ben Simmons. So. Reading between the lines there, it feels to me like Ben Simmons is also okay with go like he it, on his options. If he were to pick a list, I were Ben Simmons or in his shoes, like he would say, yeah, probably the Warriors would, would yeah. be that team, right? For for him. Yeah, no, that that's true as well. Um, I think at this juncture right now on September 1st, like you said, the, the day we're recording, I think he's kind of open to going a lot of places. I don't think yeah, it's just specifically Golden State. But I do think he views his Golden State as one of the more realistically desirable situations. If he could have his pick, he would go play for the Lakers and be running around. Yeah, Hollywood. of course. But, you know, I mean, that's, <laughs> With that's just not realistic. Oh, wait, no, that's Booker now. That's Booker now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Gotta watch out. Gotta watch out for Clay. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm also enamored by it because it's like – It'll be it would be interesting basketball the whole way through. And I think we we were kind of glossing over this point. The Warriors are best when they have a bunch of guys who can pass the ball around Steph. That's where you get Steph relocating and getting, you know, you're like, where did he come from and how did he hit that shot? We even saw it this past year when mm-hmm. they had Ubre in the starting lineup and Wiseman. Steph was standing around a lot. No one was finding him. Those guys get out of the starting lineup, you replace them with like Juan Toscano Anderson, who's not close to the passer Ben Simmons is, but he's objectively like a capable, smart player. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, the ball is flipping around. You know, yeah, you get Looney in there. Yeah, exactly. And all yeah. of a sudden, Steph's going for 40 points a game for like two months. Right. Yeah. No, the Ben Simmons is going to find – Ben Simmons, aside from what we saw in the postseason, nine times out of ten is going to make the right basketball play. He is. and. The one thing that I also think he could bring to Warriors that I think they've been lacking over the past couple years, even when they're winning championships, like transition offense, Ben Simmons is an absolute nightmare. It's like if he gets that rebound, turns and gets ahead of steam, you know how many times I've seen him take 
take it 94 feet and dunk on somebody just casually. Um, like he's like a terror off, off the rebound when he gets that rebound and gets going or he'll find Seth Curry in the corner. Like Steph would just, Seth would just run straight to the corner, uh, uh, Tobias Harris. You, you know, once, once Ben gets going downhill, he is, he's tough to stop. He's, he's a train, you know, he's huge. He's what, six ten, like two fifty, like the big guy. Easy buckets is what the Warriors, though, like you just said, those last few years, the Warriors seems like they're, it feels like they're solving a math equation every time they try to score. It's just nothing comes easy for this team offensively, which is crazy when you've got Steph Curry, who's arguably top three offensive player of all time. So mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, the Warrior, I think a lot of Warriors fans, they worry about whether Ben Simmons can be a top 10 basketball player. I'm worried about the Warriors getting a two seed, one seed. Like that, that's, that's my goal. Getting out of the plan. Yeah. Getting <laughs> like, how, how about that? Okay. Cause you can't rely on a guy who has a torn ACL and a torn Achilles to come back and, uh, and be that guy for you. He's not going to be that guy at least for another eight months. So, um, yeah, I, I'd say it all the time on the radio, Bob Myers and Steve Kerr and, um, and, and Joe Lakeup, I'm sorry. No. Uh, they need to be operating as if they'll never see Pete Clay ever again. That's just how they have to operate. And if he comes back to Pete Clay or at least even close to it, that's right. a cherry on top. That's a yep. bonus. But they should be moving forward as if that's never going to come because if they move forward just assuming that he's going to be back to the old Clay that we all came to love and love to watch play, and he doesn't, then they're in a really bad spot. If you prepare for yep. him not, and he's not, at least you're better off. And I don't even think that Clay's never going to come back. I think Clay will get back to the to close to where he was because I know his work ethic and I just the way he plays basketball is he he doesn't he's not like a quick twitcher and he never really relied on athleticism. He gets to his spots efficiently, rises up, and shoots the ball. I think that'll eventually come back, but the Warriors brass shouldn't operate assuming that definitely will. I just, I can't agree. I can't agree fucking more. <laughs> I got no other words to say. I'm like, 100%. Like, you got to prepare that way if you want to be successful moving forward. I've, I've talked myself way too hard into this. I'm, I'm, I'm officially invested. I need it to happen at this point. <laughs> Buying we'll Ben see. Simmons stock. Yeah. yeah. All right, Jason, we really appreciate you coming on. Everyone follow Jason on Twitter. Check him out on Cron4. I have a feeling if Ben Simmons does get traded to the Bay, you'll be the one who ends up breaking it anyway. Yes, right, sir. That'd be great. Let's keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> appreciate, appreciate it, man. you, Jason. <laughs>